Hey, I'm Laura. And I'm B. And you've discovered The Energy to Heal, a podcast brought to you by Embolden Label. In seasons of struggle, it's obvious what's wrong, but somehow fixing what's broken seems impossible. Here you'll learn about Splunkna, a faith-based method for breakthrough that will allow you to get unstuck and move towards freedom. It allows you to connect the dots that led you into hardship in the first place and release and restore what's holding you back. Splunkna brings together the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of an issue. This whole person approach leads to lasting change when compared to traditional methods. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. My name is B, And I'm Laura. And today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and how it comes against you as you are healing different traumas, but also how it plays a role in trauma. So I'm going to kick this off to Laura first. What is warfare? What's your definition of warfare? Yeah. So in the Christian belief in the Bible, it talks about God. It talks about our creator, the one who loves us and protects us and created us and knows us. But with the fall of angels in the beginning of time, there was also this, what the Christian world calls the enemy. This is like biblical story is these are the angels that fell away from God because Lucifer wanted to be worshipped himself. He wanted the attention on himself. And as he fell away, it came with this new part of existence where it was a place of pulling humans away from the sovereignty of God, worshiping God, eyes fixed on God to eyes fixed on themselves, eyes fixed on anything else besides God, pulling that attention away from God. And warfare is that kind of tension, that fight back and forth between maybe somebody's emotions or spirit or attention, the heart of a person between who am I going to serve? Who am I going to exist for? What am I going to fix my eyes on in this life? Warfare can show up in a lot of different ways. It's a very broad word. But for the purposes of this episode and for the purposes of Splunkna, we're talking about when the enemy comes and offers you something and your subconscious part of your mind, your spirit is very aware of those offerings. Your conscious mind is often, most of the time, not aware. Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff is happening in the background most of the time without your knowledge and particularly happens in times of trauma when you are overwhelmed or in a situation beyond what you know how to handle on your own. And so that's the kind of warfare we're going to be talking about today. It's funny as you're talking about that, it makes me think of kind of the different ways that warfare is used, spiritual warfare is experienced. And I think about the the story of Adam and Eve and the way that Eve was tempted to take the fruit, right? She was kind of she was kind of teased and tricked and tempted into sin. And that temptation is a way that oftentimes we are tripped into warfare or we 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 end up kind of agreeing with the warfare that comes against us. But I also think of warfare in a in a healing process. So if you're going to the Lord and saying, I have this problem, God, what do you have for me? How can I heal this? I also think of the spiritual warfare that comes against you in exhaustion. And since our podcast is called The Energy to Heal, I think it's a great opportunity to highlight how when we get off course and we are experiencing these different temptations or these different attacks from Satan, we then 
we, we have to like navigate our way back onto the road that God has for us. And in that road, it can be very exhausting to climb over boulders and, you know, go under barbed wire fences. And like, it really feels like you're out in the wilderness searching for this path. And Mm -hmm. it takes, at, at times it can take time and energy and a ton of faith to find that road again and to really find that rhythm of walking with God again. And I find that a lot of spiritual warfare comes against those of us who are healing in those exhaustion points where Mm -hmm. you're like, man, I don't know that I have the energy for this. And oftentimes I tell my clients that Satan shows up in those moments where you give him power, he will show up. He will, we can count on him and his attacks. Yeah. One thing I always tell my clients in regards to this is if you are a born again Christian, you've given your life to Jesus, you follow him to the best of your ability, you've kind of subscribed your life to the way of Jesus, his blood covers you. The enemy has Mm -hmm. no access to you except for in the areas where you've given permission. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't look like conscious permission. Nobody is laying in bed at night saying, okay, Satan, you can have right. this, this, and that. It is subconscious and it is spiritual. And that's where sometimes Splunkna can be helpful because in Splunkna, we're able to kind of tap into those things that are below the conscious awareness. There's so mm-hmm. much going on in our spirits and in our emotions and in our subconscious minds that we just can't access and grab and just start talking about at any moment. Mm-hmm. So... When the Bible says, when God says, do not fear, it's not because he's just putting this unrealistic expectation on us and saying, hey, just don't do it. It's not a good idea. He's saying, hey, when you allow fear to take up camp in your brain and you have these fearful thoughts, and what if this happens? And if this happens, then what am I going to do? And oh my gosh, what if that happens after this? And, And you're panicking and you're stewing and it's growing into this monster of anxiety that you can no longer control, you are opening the door for the enemy to be able to come in and just mess with you in the area of fear and anxiety. And the Lord is saying, hey, don't partner with those thoughts of fear. That starts with being aware of what's going on, what kind of thoughts are being thought in your head in the first place, which a lot of people don't even have that awareness or ability. And if you're one of them, I would challenge you, give yourself some homework to start just noticing your thoughts. They've been there your whole life. They are background noise to most people. Most people are thinking thoughts all day long, and they have no idea what the thoughts are thinking because they are just tuned out of it. And I would challenge you to make yourself aware of what your thoughts are, that constant conversation in your head, because the Bible says we need to be able to take our thoughts captive as Christians. Well, how can you captive captivate something? How can you take something captive if you don't even know it's there in the first place? So taking your thought captive, shutting down, let's say you notice yourself thinking a thought that is fear-based. Oh my gosh, we're going to go on this trip. And what if our plane goes down? What if we never return to our kids? What are they going to do that my mom doesn't know how to raise five kids? This is going to be, if I catch myself going on that, I need to stop Shut that way of thinking down. Realize I'm partnering with fear. I'm doing the whole thing, ramping up, and instead turn and replace those thoughts with something else. Like, I'm going to pray over my trip and my safety and my return, and I'm going to hand all the things that I'm worried about over to Christ, and I'm going to trust Him. And 
that is the act of taking a thought captive. And it's the act of not partnering with that ramping up of fear and anxiety that the enemy loves to get us twisted into and replacing our thoughts with the safety and security and truth that God has for us. Um, that yeah, that story that you shared, it's so relatable, right? I'm a mom. I've had those same fears. I can think of how the enemy attacked me in those very same types of moments where I didn't have the strength to say, God, I'm handing you all of these fears and I'm resolving that you will take care of all of this. But I was also thinking about how everyone listening has a different version of that. Mm-hmm. So we almost live in a world where we justify our fears. We're like, yeah, but you don't understand uh, my, in my life, right? It goes back to that kind of like self idolatry of like, yes, but my problems are bigger. And the cool part about God is that there is no problem too big for God. But the enemy wants us to think that way. And so I want to highlight something we discussed before we kicked off this episode, which is we as Christians have to be really cautious not to use enemy attacks as excuses to not walk with God, to not walk the hard road. So I've shared and you've shared about different different healing things that we've experienced, different changes that we've had to make in our lives and the hard things we've had to do with God in partnership with him that maybe we didn't want to. We were like, oh, this is hard. This is exhausting. And we have experienced both in our clients and in ourselves, this, what could be a potential habit or tripwire where we say, oh, the enemy's really coming after me this week. I'm really he's, he's all over me. He's, and it's like, even in making that statement, even in, in acknowledging that the enemy is attacking us, we, in some ways are agreeing with that fear or with that presence that the enemy, like we're like giving the enemy the stage in our lives. And so we talked a little bit about how we have to be really cautious about knowing when spiritual warfare is indeed coming against us, what to do to hold our authority with God, and also how to not use these attacks from the enemy as kind of constant excuses to get us through hard times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Another thing that spiritual warfare, how it can show up in your life, and and the reason we're pointing these out to you guys is so that you can recognize it, so you can do something about it the next time you see it in your life. So, There's all these sneaky ways that we don't even realize we're giving our agreement to these things. And when we give our agreement, that's when the enemy has access. So that's the part of educating that I love to tell people about because it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that was me opening the door or giving my agreement. But like my kids, if they wake up with a bad dream, okay, if they were to develop this mindset of like, well, that's just part of going to bed, dreams, you just get bad dreams, and you get these mm. horrific dreams, you just have to put up with them. That is allowing. That is mm. a form of agreement. It's this understanding of like, well, I'm just open to attack at any given moment. There's nothing I can do about it. Big sigh. And it's like, no, that is when you get to stand in the gap and say, by the power and the authority of the the God that I serve by the blood of Jesus that was spilled out for me, I rebuke all of those bad dreams and I declare that my sleep is a sacred place and I'm protected by heaven. And anything that's coming against me in my sleep, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That is pulling your agreement out of those bad dreams and turning and plugging your agreement into what the Bible says is true, what the Holy Spirit has to offer. Um, I have another story. This one is such a good depiction of what I'm trying to get portrayed here is like 
There are forces operating that we just can't see or understand with our conscious mind. And sometimes it even affects our behavior or lies that we believe about ourselves. So I met this man many, many years ago, and he had come to my husband and I for prayer. And he said, I need you guys to pray for me because I need to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, great. That is an, yeah, we'll happily pray for you for that. So we start praying. My husband prays over him. He's holding his hands out and he had said, you know, I need to stop drinking for my family. Drinking took out both my parents, like they died young because mm-hmm. of drinking excessively. And, you know, part of it is drinking makes me feel connected to my dad. And mm. we were like, interesting. Okay. So, but I need to stop. I need to stop. I need you guys to pray. So we keep praying. Well, eventually I said to him, okay, are you comfortable if I pray, but you repeat after me? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I start praying. I had no idea where this man was at with the Lord, if he had given his life to the Lord. But we go through this whole process and I get to this part in the prayer and he said, I revoke all agreement. And the man says, I revoke all agreement with alcohol. And he goes with, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. And he opens his eyes. And he goes, hold on, I don't want to stop. I just want to like be able to control it. I want it not to run my whole life. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. There was, and I said to him, there is a likely a, a spiritual aspect to this where you've given your agreement for alcohol to be your coping and your connection with your deceased father. And you've you've plugged into that. And so mm. this element of alcoholism has a very real power in your life. And until you're willing to pull out that agreement, cut the cord, and sever, sever yourself from alcohol being your savior and plugging it into Jesus instead, that power is always going to be there. And immediately he was like, I'm just not ready for that yet. I don't want to, he just kept saying, I don't want to stop. I just want mm. it not to control me. I still want to be able to have it and do it. And it was so much bigger than just his desires. There was a spiritual event, a spiritual principle at play there where this man couldn't get free from this alcohol because he was still partnering with it as his savior, his way of coping with life, his way of being connected to his dad, all these things. And so we left at that. And I said, you know what? The Lord isn't going to force you. I'm for sure not going to force you to say anything you're not ready to say. But we talked through that whole process. And I said, whenever you're ready. And we just kind of left it at that. But maybe if it's... Did anything come of it? No, never saw him again. Bummer. Well, and that's such a great story of how the enemy meets us where we want to be comfortable. Yeah. Right? He's he's not afraid to come and cuddle cuddle up and cozy up with us in the place that we really need Jesus, but he will offer us all kinds of false substitutes, all kinds. There Mm -hmm. there are no rules for him. He will do whatever it takes to capture our hearts and capture our minds. Yes. And it's like... You know how they say the best lie is one that's 99% true. And I just feel like that's how the enemy offers us things so often in trauma and what shows up in Splunkna sessions. It's like Mm -hmm. this man that was an alcoholic was so badly craving to be comforted and Mm -hmm. to have a way to be consoled in this really, really difficult life that he had been dealt. And he was missing his parents. And 
and it seemed like alcohol was the answer for all of it. When I drink, I don't feel the overwhelming pain that I live in. So yes, this is my comforter. But the mm. twist, do you see the twist there is so easy? It's like, we do have a comforter. Jesus is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. But the enemy will twi- get one little twist in that pipe. And all of a sudden, you accept all these external false things as your comforter. And in the beginning, they usually are very, very effective at comforting you. And then they get you stuck in prison. You can't escape them. You can use yeah. them and they work. And then when you want to be done, you can't. You can't yeah. leave. And then because it just becomes the enemy a false keeps identity. Right. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Ah. And as badly as I wanted him to say those words, it's it's not effective to force him or for him to say it if he doesn't mean it. Or he he wanted, he was he, he kept saying, I'm too scared to say that I renounce all agreement because where's my comfort then? Right. Where's my coping? So if you've never looked at your life and thought, or even asked the Lord, God, where am I? believing lies that have been maybe fed to me subconsciously or where am I putting my trust externally in all the things you've offered me to be my savior, to be my protector, to be my sound mind? What is it that I am trusting to do those things for me instead? And if he reveals it to you, which I believe he will, you can just renounce your agreement with those things right then and there in your own bedroom. Mm-hmm. he's so faithful to expose those things to us and show us like, Hey, remember this thing? I, you know, like I want to be that for you now. Would you be willing to let it go and let me take that place instead? And if you say no, he will not push that thing out of the way. He, he's a very gentleman in that he will not force himself on you. He will wait for you to be ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he knows that your will has to be in alignment with his in order for you to walk with him. Right. Otherwise yes. he knows you're going to, you're going to be open to more coping temptation or more, more of the same thing you've fallen into for a long time. I hesitate mm-hmm. to share this story. Oh, isn't it funny how when you're live recorded, you go, mm, do I share this? So my daughter occasionally, I try not to be on social media a lot when I'm around my kids, but occasionally I'll be scrolling and doing the parent thing and, uh, or the non-parent thing, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be in my kind of like zoned out place. Um, so just recently, a couple of weeks ago, she saw a picture of someone who's in our in our community. And she said, when I see pictures of this person, they they're creepy. And so we started talking about how how demonic spirits attach to good people, how even when you like someone or even when this person represents good, how there can be something about them is just not quite right. And this specific person, but when I think of them, they're, they're just great. They're a wonderful person. They stand for good. They, they just have a lot of beautiful parts of them, but they post images that are very seductive and it comes across in a way that is very out of alignment with who this person is. And that can be an example of that warfare that comes against people to exploit just a part of their God-given identity. So everything else is in alignment with God. Everything else is, is, is like, I don't know what you would think of as like on point with their spiritual beliefs. And then there's like one little bitty piece of you as a good person that the enemy will grip a hold of. And that's what you're describing as like the 
the place where we are the weakest for the enemy to attack us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I It's almost like this litmus test of like, there are things in the word that the Lord's given us so that we can check to see, am I in, in alignment or am I not? Mm-hmm. Because to not even know if you're in alignment, that's a really confusing, really uncomfortable right. place to be. And so I would encourage you, if you don't even know if you're in alignment with the Lord in certain areas, just read the word because it will tell you. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the verses in the Bible, it says, it it just emphasizes like whatever is true, whatever is noble, lovely. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say, those are the things you should be thinking about. And again, it's it's being able to notice what's in your head, take those thoughts captive, replace them with biblical thoughts. But if you are a person who out loud will catch yourself saying things like, oh, I'm so stupid, or, mm-hmm. well, of course that would happen to me, that those these awful things always happen to me. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that is very easy, like no questions asked. Those are lies you're believing. Yeah. That doesn't line up with the way God feels about you. It doesn't line up with scripture. It doesn't line up with the identity of a Christian, a son or a daughter of the most high God. Those are things that are somewhere subconsciously deeply rooted in you. And so much so that you're actually saying them out loud and believing your own lies about yourself. Oh, and so true. it paints this picture of your life of like, you're expecting bad things to happen to you. And Somewhere subconsciously through trauma or the enemy or spiritual warfare or somewhere, you picked up this lie that just bad things happen to you. That's just your lot in life and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh Um, gosh, that is so true and so confronting, right? I mean, that's, it made me think as you were saying that, that God's, God's identity traits that he's given you, your, your birthright God-given identity traits need no justification, Mm-hmm. Like never, ever, as I'm standing in my godly traits, have I ever needed to explain who I am to another individual or justify my behavior? Like I'm going to give Laura a mic drop on that last piece because my <laughs> I'm still receiving all of that wisdom. Wow. Yeah, I feel like in a Splunkness session, one of our main goals is to get to the very end of it. We find mm-hmm. out what kind of lie or vow did you start to believe because of this trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you get to that point and everything comes together and you're like, holy cow, I can totally see how and why I started to believe that lie and that trauma and how it's playing out in my life 10 years later. But sometimes it's just way more obvious than that. And you don't even need a whole Splunkna session. You can just hear yourself say out loud, I'm so stupid. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, there it is. There's a lie that I believe. I believe that I am not capable and I'm stupid and I'm limited And that's just not true about me. And I have to stop saying that. And then you can verbally say out loud, I renounce all agreement with any kind of lie that I've ever believed in my whole life that tells me I'm stupid and I will never amount to anything. And honestly, if you've ever had that spoken over you as a child, you can renounce receiving it. You can, I, any, if I've ever received that statement over me that I'm stupid, I'll never amount to anything. I'm a mistake. Mm -hmm. I just rip all of that up. I leave it at the foot of the cross for Jesus to deal with. And God, I accept your identity for me. I'm going to, I have two things I don't want to throw into this conversation. We always start with this, like, do we have enough for this episode? And then it's just so amazing how much is unpacked. So first thing I wanted to say that you made me think of was this is probably one of my biggest pet peeves in my life. And, And it is when people say, this is just who I am. Right. Mm. So they'll excuse bad behavior and then 
when they are criticized or when they feel like the magnifying glass is on them, they get real defensive and they go, this is just who I am. And I have had confronting moments in my own life like this, not where I said those words, but where I acted very much in that way. So my husband believes wholeheartedly that people who swear and cuss just need a way to communicate better. And he believes that it just sounds very unintelligent when people cuss. Now I grew up in an oil and gas service and supply business where everybody cussed and said all of this another English word. (laughs) Totally. Which is very much in alignment with like, this is just who I am. Right. My mom doesn't cuss. I have a lot of people from my past that don't cuss, but I would at, at one point in my life, I would justify that behavior with this sort of idea or belief. Like this is just who I am. So we did a swear jar in our house. My kids don't cuss. My husband doesn't cuss. So I'm the only contributor to this swear jar. And this was several years ago. Uh, And I think I deposited about a dollar 25 into this swear jar. It was 25 cents every time I said a swear word. So not many before I started to realize how confronting this activity was. And the fact that my drop in the jar was the only drop that had the potential to land in there, right? Like nobody else had this problem, but my my whole family was, you know, rallied up to say, Hey, it doesn't have to be this way. And I, I have people, I have clients like this, but I also have just people in my life like this that will like stick their flag in something that is harsh, that is angry, that is bitter And they are like, this is my truth. This is just who I am. And that's what you described. It's like, we can sometimes be fighting for the warfare that's coming against us Mm -hmm. in this. Like like, defending it. Oh yeah. In this, like, I am, this is who I am. Hear me roar kind of thing. Huh. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's what it made me think of. And then I had a whole nother rabbit trail of a thought and it's gone now. Totally gone. (laughs) As it goes in these podcasts. Oh, it's so true. So in the world of Swankna, if you've never done a session before, really, there's releasing emotions, there's finding out what kind of trauma you went through. But a huge part of a Swankna session is figuring out what kind of an agreement you made in a trauma. So for whatever reason, in traumas, we tend to make agreements with the enemy. And it's because we are in a place of vulnerability We maybe don't understand our authority in Christ. We maybe don't understand what he's offering us at the time, especially if you grew up in a non-Christian home. No one has ever told you there was a Christ to take your burdens from you and to give your sorrows to and all those things. So the enemy comes along and he's like, hey, I see that you are riddled in shame right now. That's got to feel awful. I can help you with that, you know, Mm, and subconsciously, spiritually, whatever it is, we're like, oh, thank goodness, because this is awful. I can't even breathe underneath this shame right now. So we hand it over to him, quote unquote, and he happily takes it from us. But since he's a liar and since he tricks us, he's not actually helping us with anything, No, but it. It just is a way to trick us into giving our agreement to him so that he has that wide open door to always mess with us and hold shame over our head for the rest of our life until we renounce agreement with that shame. So part of those agreements can look like, let's say, um, you know, B, you've talked about at six years old, shame being a central emotion for you. If you had never healed that in Splunkna, that could have looked like when you were six, you had... Um, The enemy came along and said, hey, I'll help you with that. Why don't you give that shame to me and I'll take it off your shoulders? And you're like, okay, great, thanks. And you give it over. 
Well, now shame is going to be a part of your story for the rest of your life. Right. Or it could have been um, the enemy coming along and saying, hey, I'm going to give you the power to deal with this shame. Mm -hmm. I'm going to empower you to be able to handle the weight that this shame is putting on your shoulders. And you're like, oh, thank goodness, because I can't do this anymore. It's too much. Right. It could have been um, you agreeing with shame in the sense of the enemy coming along and saying, how could you do something like that? Don't you know how twisted and dark that is? Don't you know that other six-year-olds don't do that? How mm -hmm. could you? And so you just go, you're right. Mm -hmm. Who am I? What kind of kid would do that? And you agree with his accusations. And now there's this program of shame operating in your subconscious and your personality at such a constant foundational level. You don't even know it's there. So you just think it's part of your personality as you grow up. There's all these different ways and tactics the enemy has to trick us into giving our agreement to him. And one of the main points of a Splunkna session is to figure out what is it that you agreed to. And let's renounce that in prayer. Repent of ever partnering with the enemy in that. And shut that door so the enemy stops using that as a way to just twist and twist and twist this thing in your life. I want to highlight, too, for those listening who have never done Splunkna or uh, who aren't currently with a Splunkna practitioner, I want to talk a little bit about a tool that they can start using in their prayer life immediately without ever meeting a Splunkna practitioner or doing Splunkna. And that is praying against the enemy's attacks when you pray every night. This is something that I didn't start doing until I began my healing journey doing Splunkna and really giving my, like the diagnosis and the, the prescription from God, right? Saying, God, what do I need and what order do I need to, to do it in? And at that point, I started praying against retaliation from the enemy. So um, can we talk a little bit about what that looks like and why why don't, why aren't we in more of a habit as Christians of praying against the enemy or praying against warfare? I mean, I grew up, I didn't even hear about any enemy warfare in church. The, the yeah, church I mean, we grew up with, it was not talked about. The Holy Spirit was not talked about. It's all biblical. It's all in the Bible. But I think it's just this mysterious thing that feels like, well, how the heck do we know what's, mm -hmm. what this all entails? So let's just not talk about it. I remember learning like that I could speak the name of Jesus. I used to be terrorized by nightmares, like horrific, watching horrible things happen to my family. And I would wake up sweating, terrified. The darkness felt scary. My room felt scary. The room felt thick. And I did. I remember learning that when that happens to you, you can wake up and speak the name of Jesus into your room, into your atmosphere. And Every, everything has to flee. It's not just like my brain was just dark and twisted and it was coming up with these horrible scenarios. It was a spiritual thing. It was a warfare. And I truly believe because in that season of my life, I watched rated R horror movies as entertainment with my friends. We would get together and we would watch like the murder movies and the ones that make you scream and then oh, like huddle together and like, oh my gosh, that was so scary. And we went to haunted houses and it was just like, that's what we did as teenagers. Like, what so a like, perfect example, yes. allowing the enemy in unconsciously, not understanding what it could do. 
Wow. Yeah, so th- then I stopped watching the videos because I was terrified to go to bed at night, but the dreams kept coming right? because I had already given my agreement. I let evil, literal murder be my entertainment. Like how twist, like as a grown woman, I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I have not seen that back then? But I was literally letting murder be my entertainment. I had partnered, I had given my agreement and I was being tortured by these dreams. And it's again, mm-hmm. that same story. We can come in, the enemy will always let us come in, and those things will be entertaining for us. They will be relieving of our pain. They will be a coping mechanism. But when we want to get out, it feels like we're in prison. It feels Mm. like we're being stuck. We're tortured. So it wasn't until I learned how to renounce agreement with that being my entertainment, to speak the name of Jesus over my dreams, uh, to protect me that the dream stopped. I had to actually like address my dreams with spiritual warfare and in prayer, and now I can't even remember the last time I had a bad dream, but I also don't, I don't watch those things anymore. No, I know I've been parent, you'd be like, no, thanks. I'd rather watch anything. What a great reminder though, of like checking in with yourself in your habits, in the content that you're taking in. If you get a daily email, if you have a regular TV show that you watch, really checking in when you're with yourself when you have completed that activity and going like, do I feel good? Do I feel energized? Do I feel happy? Do I feel motivated or do I feel like off, you know? And what is that off? What is that? Mm -hmm. What is that that's coming against me? I, I feel like this podcast episode was challenging in that there are so many clever ways that the enemy comes in and, really exploits the best parts of us or the piece. Like I always think of anytime I meet a new client, I can see the most beautiful parts of them first. It's like you get to meet these wonderful, amazing things first. And then shortly after that, you get to see kind of all of these like, well, I'm going to say labels because that's really my line of work. But you start to see all of these ways that the enemy has exploited this person and really like patched over and hidden these beautiful gifts and talents that people have or the ways that they're particularly talent or um, blessed and like gifted to connect with others and things like mm-hmm. that. So I applaud you for taking on this podcast episode idea. And I think it's really important that we continue to discuss warfare and the way that warfare comes against us on our healing journeys. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the role that it plays in our trauma. And if this is an introduction to warfare for you, if you're not familiar with this topic, I'm. if you don't hear anything else from this whole episode, I want you to hear this. Warfare is real. The enemy is real. Spiritual warfare is happening and has happened to you, but we do not need to be scared of it. Mm-hmm. I need you to know that if you are in Christ, the power of the Lord His presence, his offerings are the ocean and the power of the enemy is a drop in the bucket. You have to have that proper mindset because it is very easy to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared now. The enemy could be around every corner. And what if I'm agreeing with him and I don't even know it? And my life is this. And now you're in fear. And that's just opening the door to making the enemy bigger and giving him more and more credit and access. So this is kind of my mindset is like, Lord, what ways am I partnering with lies or anything the enemy's offered me? Would you reveal that to me in prayer or in a dream or through a friend or through the word? And if he does, I just renounce it. 
And if he hasn't revealed to me that I'm partnered with the enemy in a, in a, in a lie that I'm believing or um, a way that I experience life, then I don't worry about it. Like I put the responsibility on God's shoulders to like, God, please show me anywhere that I need to be coming back into alignment that maybe I've gotten off, which just allows me to rest in God's provision and God's timing and God being like, yeah, I got you, you know, and, and being faithful when he does reveal it to actually go through and renounce those things, make life changes, whatever it is. But I don't want you to hear this episode and be like, okay, now I'm scared of the enemy. Yeah. Well, and I'm reminded of my journey into relationship with God and this bumpy road that sometimes I talk about of saying yes to God, but then having to be open to the way that our relationship developed and really continuing to pursue God and the way that the enemy will use faith to confuse you from really committing to that walk with him. And so I always point new believers towards Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, which describes the armor of God. The things mm-hmm. that God gives us every day to fight the enemy, to stand in our truths, to stand in alignment with God. And sometimes, some days, the enemy warfare that you're experiencing or the the exhaustion that you're experiencing or the temptation that you're experiencing is so crushing, is so hard that the only thing you can do is go to these scriptures in your Bible Mm -hmm. and just read through what does God give me to armor up against all of these attacks. Um, And I can think of many um, through my journey in healing and also in growth with God, where all I had was the armor that he hands you. And I mean, you can quite literally picture yourself tying up the laces of, you know, the, the shoes and picking up the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and truth, like just all of the things that he embodies us in Mm -hmm. so that we, that, so that we are in authority in his name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. it, It, it becomes almost like an exciting journey when you truly grasp the authority that you have because of who lives inside of you, the Holy spirit and any attempt for the enemy to come and derail you, you start to recognize it. You can, when once you start learning your authority, those things don't attach to you as easily because you're like, I've seen this before. I've been here before. I'm not partnering with that. You don't have to pray any kind of fancy words. If you're a new believer, if you have never heard of spiritual warfare before, but you are hearing it, recognizing it because of maybe what you've learned on this podcast— All you have to do is cry out to the Lord. The Bible says, Mm -hmm. just cry out to him and he will come. So crying out to God to come to your your aid or to walk you through something or just saying the name of Jesus holds so much power in the spiritual realm. And when you cry out the name of Jesus, it is like an explosion that happens in the spiritual realm. It's like they the any enemy forces, they can't combat that name. There's right. so much power behind it. Yeah. I love that. I, it's, I'm like picturing me not very long ago. I would have loved to argue with you on this because I was so crushed in spirit. I was mm-hmm. at such a dark and desolate place. And yet here I am like a hype woman for God because I know that it works. I know that his offers are real and I know that his promises are perfect for every single person listening to this show. So yeah. I'm going to cry because I'm going to try not to cry, but truly like we wouldn't be here 
speaking this into this podcast if we didn't both believe it and if we both hadn't experienced it for ourselves. The Lord has more for you. He has better for you if you're in a dark place. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so much more we could say about this, but I think this is a great introductory episode to spiritual warfare and we'll probably readdress it again in the future. But yeah, I pray that the Lord will show you areas in your life where maybe you haven't noticed before that you can recognize and reclaim ground in by just praying the Lord's will and the Lord's healing over ways that maybe you have experienced warfare in your life. I hope that you start recognizing thought patterns and maybe lies that you either think in your head about life or about yourself, or maybe you're even saying them out loud. And like always, we love, love, love to hear from you. So if you want to send us any more questions you have in this realm that could even direct future episodes and questions we address, we are totally open for that as well. So thank you for joining us on this episode of Spiritual Warfare. How does it show up in trauma and how does it apply to Spockna? Mm-hmm.